Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Web3 Native Podcast. Today, we have, of course, another very special guest and a longtime friend, Sota Watanabe from Estar and Shiden. Hello, Sota. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. Indeed, we are very excited as well. And this is the start of, we're actually thinking of starting a kind of a Polkadot mini series to, to cover more projects in the Polkadot and Kusama ecosystem. Uh, and previously, we also interviewed uh, Akala Reitawa as well. So very happy to be continuing the interviews and podcasts for all the top projects in the ecosystem. So Sota, would you like to kick us off? with a, a quick intro about yourself and your journey in crypto. What should people know about you? Sure, cool. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Sota Watanabe. I'm a founder of Asta and Shiden Network, previously known as Plasma Network. I joined the crypto and blockchain space five years ago, and I started working in a blockchain space at Chronicle, which is a San Francisco-based blockchain company. And after coming back to Japan, I became a blockchain researcher at the University of Tokyo, and I founded SIT, our company at the University of Tokyo. And after that, uh, we started making a layer two solution on Polkadot, but we pivoted our idea from layer two to smart contract hub because Polkadot itself does not support smart contract functionality. And then uh, we have launched Shiden, and Asta is under the heavy development right now. Yeah, uh, I hope we can become a Polkadot parachain in this year or the next year as soon as possible. Uh, apart from that, I'm also um, you know, working as a, uh, one of the directors at Japan Blockchain Association and task force member of Trusted Web Council, Council led by Japanese government. Awesome, awesome. So a long history in crypto and also working with like governments, academics, enterprises, and of course with uh, within the ecosystem in, in Polkadot and Kusama as well. I think for those who are not so familiar with the Polkadot and, and Kusama ecosystem, they might be a little bit confused. No parachains, no why is there Shiden and A-Star. So let me give a very quick recap. Uh, when we discuss Polkadot and Kusama, these two protocols are what we call the layer zero protocols that are underlying the layer one blockchains uh, and they help these layer one blockchains uh, perform their give them security as well as uh, help them communicate uh, with each other and specifically this is for substrate based blockchains uh, which is the uh, blockchain based framework uh, that you can use to create your own uh, of these developed by web3 foundation and uh, parity technologies uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Sota? Is there a pretty decent summary? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a very good summary. And one thing I would like to add is the blockchain will be connected just like the internet of today. So Bitcoin is Bitcoin, Ethereum is Ethereum. Um, blockchain are independent right now, but it will be connected through Polkadot and other interoperability technologies. So we bet chain maximalism. This is important. Yeah. Indeed. So the core idea of uh, Polkadot and Kusama, Kusama being the kind of like a live test or canary network of uh, Polkadot, uh, is to actually connect many different blockchains together. And the mechanism to decide which blockchains to connect to provide security and communication for is, of course, the parachain auctions. And that is the biggest news, I think, this year in the ecosystem. And indeed, we, have, we are in the second round of the parachain auctions already 
for the Kusama ecosystem. And for all of these auctions, typically the projects will also have a period for crowd loans where people can stick their Kusama tokens uh, to, in essence, kind of like vote for a particular parachain or blockchain to be connected to the Kusama relay chain. So uh, given these exciting developments, we've already uh, had, I think right now at seven uh, parachains are, are kind of like one and connected, yep. including Shiden is already a live parachain. We'd love to invite you, Sota, to comment on what kind of trends you have noticed about the Kusama crowd loans. Uh, what are some things that surprised you, excited you? What do you think? Yeah, uh, one thing I was surprised is that so many people join Kusama crowd loan and the lock case I'm talking for a year. So uh, we have a uh, two batch, and the batch one, there are five parachain are connected to Kusama relay chain, and at this moment, uh, batch two is just right now happening, and another five parachain are going to connect to Kusama, and you know that the the number of Kusama token at batch two is much more than the batch one, because people realize that uh, locking KSM token is very beneficial and higher ROI is understaking. But um, yeah, uh, I was very surprised to see, surprised to see a result. Yeah, indeed. And I think part of it is driven by the fact that in the batch one of the yeah, parachain exactly. auctions, uh, people who's, who stick their KSM actually got many times the return <laughs> yeah, from the staking yeah. com compared to just staking Kusama with the nominated proof yeah. of stake, right? Uh, do you think this is kind of a, a sustainable trend? Do you think this is like a short-term hype or this is how it's meant to be? Like the economics are that uh, it makes more sense to stake in the crowd loan than staking. Yeah, um, I think this is like a hype and this is not sustainable, I believe, but I can be wrong. Because, you know, to, to provide better ROI, we have to maintain our network variation higher. And staking KSM token on Kusama network is already beneficial, already attractive, and the ROI is high. So we have to keep that much higher ROI for people who lock KSM token to the project. I mean, the people who join the crowd run. So uh, I think this is not sustainable. But uh, people realize that um, they can get a higher ROI joining the, by joining the crowd run. But not sure. Let's see the bus three and bus four. Yeah, this is, well, well it's nice to see a lot of activity and people getting excited and getting involved in the crowd loans there's a, some concern of whether what this will lead to right i think we, we all remember the 2017-2018 ico period on uh, ethereum where you know a lot of these tokens just simply launched and then uh, yeah. some of them made people rich but then uh, overall it was not very good for the industry or the ecosystem because yeah. too too much speculation and, and a lot of scams came in yeah. uh, I, there is maybe a risk that uh, the same thing might happen to to kusama uh, parachains what do you think because uh, you know more people can just come in new projects can keep promising you know higher and higher yeah. roi more and more tokens how do you think this is gonna go yeah uh, this is very similar to ico 2017 but uh, the one big difference is that uh, this is not an ICO, which means the project does not receive a token from people. 
instead, people lock their token on the relay chain, the Xama network in this case. So the project cannot steal their token. This is the most important things. So yeah, uh, in this sense, people ask the you know, project can ask people to lock their token on the relay chain, but project cannot steal the token. This is the important things. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure about the future, but uh, generally speaking, the, the Xama Cloudron is zero-sum game in some sense, because the number of token the project can distribute, it, can distribute is limited. So let's say in Shiden's case, we have a 20% of our total supply for the first Xama parachain auction, and 20% is fixed. So the, the more KSM tokens are locked, the less student token we can provide for people, right? Mm. So to maintain the higher ROI, we have to decrease the initial liquidity, but decreasing initial liquidity means controlling the market. So this is the opposite idea to the public blockchain. Um, yeah, a lot of the projects are doing this approach in Shiden is doing this approach in some sense, but this is not ideal situation for the entire community and the entire blockchain space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess the, the other trend here is that uh, a lot of projects might allocate, some projects only allocate uh, the tokens for one round of uh, crowd loans, yeah. right? And then maybe some projects actually allocate maybe two rounds or maximum three rounds. Most I've seen actually two. And after the first parachain crowd, uh, auction period, which is the uh, one year for Kusama, then they actually have to bid again. Uh, and so yeah. there's also a question of, you know, how would they come up with another way to fund the yeah. new auction? Like, are they going to use more tokens? Are they going to somehow use some treasury? Uh, how do you think this evolving? What are some strategies you think are effective here? Yeah, uh, I think every project has every different uh, strategy. But in terms of Shiden's case, we are we have a you know a reserve for parachain auction two and parachain auction three, and the forty percent of block rewards goes to treasury. And I think we are going to use treasury to to beat parachain slot, secure parachain slot. So. We have to make a you know sustainable model to secure the parachain slot, but this is not easy at this moment. So we have to think about our token economics in the long run rather than the short term. Yeah, that's that's what everyone needs to uh, already keep in mind, yeah. even though it's a lot of short term high. Uh, there's one last trend that I'd like to just point out, which is it seems that everybody. Is bidding for the full one year period uh and, and on polkadot it's going to be the two year period right yep. um why do you think that's the case because when this candle auction was designed uh, actually yep. there is flexibility for you to bid for maybe three months six months nine months right so everybody of course they want to have the full duration do you think there will soon in the future auctions be some projects that ask for some slots or they collaborate that i take three, you take three, or I take six, you take six, so that they have the maximum bid to win the crowd loan? Yeah, uh, in the future, I think this is going to be possible, and this is realistic. But right now, you know, every project has been preparing for summer parachain auction and Polkadot parachain auction 
in some say in, in some case for more than two years or something like that. So everyone is ready. Yeah, that's why you know every project bit one one year slot in terms of summer. But in the future, you know, a lot of projects join our ecosystem and probably uh, they can cooperate together to bit one slot slot together. And project A is going to be a parachain for the first six months. And project B is going to be a parachain for the last six months. This can be possible. Mm -hmm. So you think that maybe after all the projects yeah. that were around for the last two years have gotten their slots, then the yep. newer projects may go for the shorter time periods. Yeah. I see. Yeah, and probably I think uh, this this will also need some level of uh, technology innovation. Like we need also the parrot threads that allow you to uh, produce blocks on the the relay chain uh, as well, right? Because if you're only three months and then you're gone, yeah. <laughs> then you need to have the continuity either before or after you you are a parrot chain as well, uh, in yep. order for the users and the user experience to be maintained, right? So uh, maybe we yep. will see that in the future. Yeah, and also we need a bridge between Xama and Polkadot. That is why we deploy two networks, Shiden and Asta, is that once we connect our Asta network to Xama for one year, so our Asta network is going to be stuck for a year. So we cannot be the first Polkadot parachain auction. So this can be a problem. That's why we deploy the two networks. But if mm -hmm. we can make a bridge, let's say Sama and Polkadot, we do not need to be a, a Polkadot parachain. Let's say if we can make a bridge between Sama and Polkadot, and if we can connect our blockchain to Sama. In this case, mm -hmm. yeah, we do not need to be a Polkadot parachain, maybe in the future. So, yeah, let's see. There are a lot of the things we have to implement. And wow, we have that, to uh, hang on, that's like a very big. Uh, if right? I mean, there's a very uh, drastic uh, change if that is the case, right? Because uh, I think that is the one of the emerging themes that's happening in the Kusama and Polkadot ecosystem, which is uh, Kusama is thought of as like the test net, the canary network for you to move fast and break things, right? That's why governance time is much shorter. Uh, the yeah. bonding for staking is much lower. So the requirements are much lower to participate and, and just yep. uh, have a parachain and so on. Yep. Uh, and that's because we expect it to, to break, right? We expect the things to be rolled out and there will be chaos, right? That was the original theme. But now with the parachains coming online and also soon we will have a lot of DeFi, a lot of NFTs coming on. In fact, some DeFi projects are already starting to deploy on Kusama. It's going to be very hard to just move very quickly and just break Kusama uh, because they are live assets actually on there that we cannot afford to lose very simply. Uh, and so, like you mentioned, there is a hint that maybe uh, if you have a bridge, you don't even need the Polkadot parachain. Uh, how likely is this uh, and other, are other projects also thinking about this? How do you think the importance of Kusama versus Polkadot is going to evolve here? Yeah, um, this is just a hypothesis. And the, I think it takes a lot of the years to make a bridge between Xama and Polkadot. But um, I think this is going to be similar to Ethereum layer 1 and Ethereum layer 2, right? Ethereum layer 2 is much cheaper and much faster and much better for the retail people, retail investor, and also, uh, you know, DApps project. But layer 1 is very expensive to deploy something. 
this is similar to to Xama and Polkadot. So Xama is going to be an experimental network, and Polkadot is going to be the main network. But to become a Polkadot parachain, this is more expensive than becoming a Xama parachain. But security is much stronger. This is similar to layer one, layer two. Hmm. So, do you foresee maybe Kusama will become the layer two of Polkadot? Is that what you're saying? That maybe Kusama will be secured by Polkadot in the future? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Kusama is not a layer two of the Polkadot. Kusama is also a layer zero, a layer zero, layer zero bridge, but secured by Polkadot bigger network. Hmm. Okay, well, I think that's that's very interesting am, idea, but we will see yeah. right in a few years. Yeah. Nobody can tell right now. Uh, yeah. But what what is uh, that's true immediately right now is that like you said, because it's uh, cheaper, faster in a way. Well, Polkadot's not live yet, uh, so it's cheaper right now. It seems that there's more retail interest uh, on Kusama already, and there seems to be kind of like Kusama has its own branding and community. How would you kind of describe the people in Kusama? Because in the end, that's what makes the difference, right? It's the people uh, that that forms the network. So are the developers, the users, the, um, the community in Kusama different from Polkadot? And if so, how? Yeah, uh, I have a lot of opportunities to talk with co uh, community members and also venture capital. And venture capital and the institutional you know, organization are interested in Polkadot rather than the Kusama. And inst you know, uh, retail investors are more interested in Xama than Polkadot. Uh, this is just my opinion. And Xama, just Xama is live. And Polkadot is not fully live yet. So developers are also interested in Xama to deploy something. Or deploy making a parachain or deploying smart contract on a parachain or something like that. Um, so, yeah. Um, Xama is the very interesting right now because five blockchain, the sixth blockchain, are connected to the relay chain, and people can deploy smart contract or people can deploy, you know, the infrastructure or make something new on Xama. But Polkadot is still limited, and that's why uh, a lot of the people are interested in Xama instead of Polkadot right now. But Xama is smaller ecosystem. I mean, smaller the blockchain. Than Polkadot. That's why uh, institutional venture capital are interested in uh, Polkadot, and they are preparing for um, Polkadot parachain auction. So Polkadot parachain auction is going to be bigger than Xama parachain auction, I think. Mm -hmm. So your view of what you, what you are seeing is that there may be a lot of institutions and VCs that are still waiting. Uh, they have not come into Kusama. They're waiting yeah. for Polkadot and then they will then deploy their capital and attention uh, towards Polkadot, but still monitor the Kusama situation. Yeah, right. And okay. another, yeah, I have uh, another concern. So once Polkadot and Kusama are alive, uh, what is the meaning of the Kusama or what is the meaning of the Polkadot? So I think this is yeah. going to be another question in, in the next year. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think uh, on every uh, interview regarding Polkadot, I'm going to ask that question. <laughs> right? What is the relationship between Polkadot and Kusama? How is it going to evolve? Because I think everybody has a slightly different understanding and a prediction about how this will go. And nobody knows until it's live and, and the people yeah. and developers community decide uh, yep. with their time, attention and capital. Exactly. 
Okay, great. Uh, I think we've talked a lot about the, the high-level overview. Uh, it's time to now go into your project, of course, uh, your ecosystem, yeah. your work, uh, which is ASTAR and Shiden. So please take us through like a journey and a, a quick intro of what it is and, and like journey of how we got here. Right? Because I, I remember when we first uh, met and you started working together with your first uh, Web3 grant, back then it was uh, very different from what the vision and the progress is now. So we'd love to kind of like understand that whole history. Yeah, thank you for the question. So we started making um, Asta. Uh, it was present at that at, at the moment, Prasm, uh back in 2018. Sorry, 19. And we started making layer two solution on Polkadot simply because uh, we have a great technologies in uh, Ethereum space and a great relationship with the, the grant recipients from Ethereum Foundation. But uh, we realized that uh, layer two is not strongly needed in the Polkadot ecosystem because Polkadot itself is a scaling solution. And Polkadot has a sharding-ish architecture, which is similar to the uh, Ethereum 2.0. So we pivoted from layer two solution to smart contract platform because Polkadot itself does not support smart contract functionality by design. So no one can deploy dApps on Polkadot delay chain. So we need a parachain that supports smart contract. And when it comes to smart contract, uh, Ethereum compatibility is very important because Ethereum is the biggest network but also uh, supporting WebAssembly, which is the, the future of smart contract. Uh, and there too, uh, really important for um, making smart contract hub. And that's why uh, we are also working on layer two, especially rollups at this moment. But layer two became our supplementary feature rather than the core feature. Uh, and I joined the Longhash uh, bootcamp which is supported by Web3 Foundation and the Parity Technologies, and we graduated. At that moment, it was present. Yeah. And, and, and then we got a lot of grants. I think we got seven grants from the Web3 Foundation, and we have already delivered five grants out of the seven. So uh, we are one of the, 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 the top recipients in the Polkadot ecosystem. So, yeah, uh, we are working on optimistic rollup, ZK rollup, and smart contract features right now. And we deployed Shiden, the, and Shiden became a summer parachain in June, so two months ago. So yeah, uh, and we are waiting for Polkadot parachain auction right now. So this is like a brief history of uh, Prasm and Asta. Awesome, awesome. Yes, indeed, it has gone through quite a few iterations, right? From the yeah. technology standpoint, uh, we, we went from the plasma rollups to now uh, now more just focusing on OVA, uh, optimistic rollups, ZK yeah. rollups, and also then now focusing on the multi-chain uh, rather than uh, just the rollups as the, as the core feature. Yeah. And in terms of the kind of business model as well, I, I remember it has changed a lot since from back then, right? Yeah. Like I think initially when uh, funding and so on was not as 
uh, generous or not as readily available. Uh, I remember we started off with some even consulting projects, right? And you had to take grants. Uh, and then later on, then we did like more stick drops, you know, start to raise funds and now with crop loans and now you have for your own ecosystem as well. Throughout this journey, how did you decide when to adapt and pivot? You know, how do you make this decision uh, and what kind of cues and lessons do you learn from that? Yeah, uh, I think this is a great question. So when we joined Polkadot space, Polkadot was not live yet and dot token is not listed. So we got a lot of dots from the Web3 Foundation through grants, but uh, the value is actually zero because it's not listed, right? And so we have to, we had to make money to survive. That's why we did a consultancy and we did a education service for the Japanese clients and we survived. <laughs> and after that, uh, DOT is fully launched and DOT token is listed. And then the price became one or two dollars to 30 or something like that. Then, you know, we, we got a lot of grants and we have a DOT. And dot became the the value of the dot became ten times more or something like that, so we could survive. And parachain is the one of the most important feature Polkadot has. So people finally realize the value of the parachain, and we have been working on the parachain, and that's why we we could successfully got uh got fund from like long hash finance. Uh, Fembushi, OKEX, Hobi, and so on. So now we are 100% focusing on making a Polkadot and Xama parachain. And we changed our vision. So when we started our company, I was thinking about IPO or M&A, just like a you know, traditional startup. But um, after, after deploying the mainnet, after deploying public blockchain, I changed my direction from IPO to making a DAO. Because Bitcoin is invented outside of the financial market, right? And there is no company behind Bitcoin. So Alsta and Shilling is also a public blockchain. And Stake Technology is the company which is the leading the community right now. So my vision is to cross stake technologies in two years to make a DAO because stake technology is going to be a single point of failure of Asta and Shiden. And once we make a DAO, I'm going to design the CEO of stake technologies and make a foundation. I hope I can be a, just one, I can become a, one of the open source you know, contributor of Asta and Shiden in two years. So this is similar to MakerDAO and Shapeshift. But um, yeah, uh, I think this is the future. Yeah, many people do not understand the value of the DAO yet, but uh, I think this is the future. So I'm going to do my best to close my company. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a very different dream to many startup founders, right? Like, I want my yeah, startup yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to close down. <laughs> it's a, such a, it's a funny yeah, idea when you talk to the traditional startups. So for you, what was that moment that made you change your mindset from like, you know, IPO to, to DAO, right? Was there a trigger? Was there, a, what was the realization? Um... Yeah, you know, learning business is very hard. So we have to pay the salary, uh, we have to pay tax, and we have to 
you know, have a lot of obligation we have to do. But um, the reason why I joined the blockchain space is the Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is the new invention and which is not managed by someone. So Bitcoin is decentralized and autonomous. So I, I like the, the, you know, the Bitcoin itself. So that's why, that's why we, you know, I changed my idea from IPO to making a DAO. And if I, I think I can try to do an IPO or M&A. But if we, if we do that, um, there is no reason to be in a blockchain space. Yeah, um, so we are focusing on making DAO, decentralized autonomous organization at this moment. For sure, for sure. I think almost every single crypto project is uh, looking at that, uh, even for the more centralized companies, that's like, a, it's a kind of a pressure or always the thought at the back of yeah. their minds. So very much, I think the movement towards DAOs is very strong and very clear. Yeah, um, and also, uh, you know, there are a lot of, the, a lot of people who did M&A and IPO but there are very few people who did making DAO. Mm. So I'm interested in making a history rather than following others. Mm. Mm. All right. Yeah, I think along those lines of making history, right, there needs to be something new and uh, innovative, right? So yep. uh, I think one of the questions we got, we got from the audience, uh, which will then lead very nicely to, to the rest of the discussion is, you know, what is the difference, differentiation between Shiden and some of the first few parachains that were mm -hmm. established on Kusama, which are, of course, mm -hmm. Akala uh, and, oh, sorry, Karura and also Moon River from uh, Moonbeam, right? So mm -hmm. how would you describe the specialties of Shiden? And then we can go into all the details. Yeah, um, so Shiden has an original implementation in the uh, ecosystem. Um, I think we have uh, at least four or five, but most important things is DAPS staking. So DAPS staking is the like a basic income for developer. I think the most precious resource in the community is always developer. But uh, there is no financial incentive for developers to deploy smart contract or make infrastructure in a public blockchain. So let's say uh, you are making something on the top of Ethereum, but uh, you cannot get ETH, right? By making smart contract or by making infrastructure. So you have to pay gas. Actually, you are paying. You are not receiving if you are a developer in uh, other blockchain. But in case of Shiden and Asta, by making smart contract or by making infrastructure, you can get Shiden token or Asta token from Block Rewards. So you can um, token while making product. So this is very simple, but very strong incentive to make something on the top of Shiden and Asta. So this is the most important feature Asta and Shiden has in a Polkadot space, maybe even like a blockchain space. And another one is cross-virtual machine. So Ethereum compatibility is very important because a lot of the people deploy Solidity contract on Ethereum. So supporting Ethereum virtual machine is, you know, crucial. But this is like a day one for Polkadot parachain. 
because Ethereum compatibility is developed by Parity Technologies, and the any parachain can use that feature to make an Ethereum compatibility. So what makes Shiden and Asta unique is we are also supporting WebAssembly because WebAssembly is the future with a smart contract and made by, uh, you know, like Mozilla, Google, and such a big companies. So Ethereum virtual machine is developed by Ethereum Foundation and Ethereum community. And WebAssembly is developed by, you know, traditional big companies. So we need a WebAssembly to make crypto you know, uh, accessible for all people. So we are going to support WebAssembly as well as Ethereum virtual machine and make them interactive. So this is the second feature uh, we have. And another one is um, multi virtual machine support. So we are not making Ethereum on Polkadot or we are not making DeFi on Polkadot. We are making a multi-chain DAPS hub on Polkadot. So we are also working on bridges. So uh, we are going to deliver uh, Ethereum bridge by the end of September. And we are also going to depro, uh, deliver, uh, let's say, Avalanche bridge, Binance Margin bridge, even Divinity bridge, and Solana bridge. So uh, I think we have uh, at least three differentiators in the community. Awesome, awesome. So we're going to go into the DAP staking, multi-chain, and also the uh, cross uh, virtual machine, yeah. uh, each of these. So let's start with the DAP staking, which is a kind of a business model or incentive uh, mechanism design innovation, right? Uh, like you mentioned, it's meant to be basic income. And the differentiator is that it's actually coming from the block rewards, right? It's coming from the inflation of the tokens, and uh, half of that actually goes to securing the validators, half of that goes to the debt staking. And then between that, half goes to the developers and half of it goes to the nominators as well. Would you like to just walk us through how, how that works, what people can do in debt staking? Yeah, cool. So we are going to deploy a DAPS store, which is our first product. And you can nominate your token on DAPS. So let's say uh, SushiSwap is making application on the top of uh, Asta. And you can nominate your token on SushiSwap. So you can stake your token on SushiSwap. And by doing so, you can earn the Asta token based on SushiSwap's performance. Mm. So you stake the Asta token to get more Asta, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And SushiSwap can you know, provide additional Sushi token to you. But it depends on Sushi or you know, the project on the Asta network. And based on the nomination amount and also on-chain data, on-chain data means like a transaction, number of the address or number of the nomination and so on. So based on this data, the project can earn money, earn token from Block Rewards. And Block Rewards will be automatically transferred to project and also nominator. So we do not control anything. So this is the beauty of the blockchain itself. Yeah, so it's built into the layer one, like when the new tokens are minted, it's automatically distributed uh, every block, uh, would you say, to exactly. people who every are nominated, block. as well as the dApps, which are receiving the, the nomination. That's, that's yeah. great, that's great. Uh, so 
this is actually quite a simple mechanism, as you said, right? It's a simple but powerful mechanism. Uh, of course, we, we want to then look into some maybe challenges or limitations that this uh, mechanism might have. Uh, one of it is, of course, uh, if somebody, a lot of people created the fake sushi swap or forked the sushi swap, uh, you know, how, how will we then control this? Because then do we go back to uh, centralized control? <laughs> then the Shiden and uh, Star Council or something needs to uh, check for the fraud or, or some corruption there. Yeah, uh, I think there are a lot of, you know, uh, we can see a lot of these op- you know, activities in the Shiden and the Asta in coming months. So at the first point, the DAPS store is going to be trusted DAPS store. So anyone can deploy smart contract on Shiden and Asta. It's permissionless. But listing DAPS on the top of um, DAPS store is permissioned. So to list their application on the top of DAPS store, they have to join Builders program. And Builders program will be uh, approved by the council and the community member. So we are going to um, limit the number of the DAPs listed on DAPs store at the first point, but uh, we are going to find a better way to manage the community because decentralization matters. Yes. So in the end, uh, yeah, I think we have to come back to some sort of like governance mechanism uh, that yes. needs to be on top of the DAP staking as well to help curate the uh, the DAP store in a permission way and make sure that it's still uh, in a fair and transparent and nice way. Uh, certainly yeah, looking forward exactly. to that and I think everyone can feel free to contribute as well to this area, uh, right? This is an emerging area that everyone can contribute to. Um, the, the Another area that uh, can be interesting is that uh, there's no limitation for the dApps to nominate themselves. So if they have their own Shiden, they can just name themselves and then they will get more Shiden. So, uh, or Maybe um, the, they can say, I, I buy the votes, right? I say, okay, you nominate me. I will give you a, whatever A star I get. I give you 10% back, kind of like a vote buying <laughs> or a collusion type of uh, activity. Uh, are, are you? Is this a, a concern at all? Is this acceptable? Uh, actually, this is acceptable because the more token locked on the ecosystem, this is very attractive for the community. This is similar to like a Polkadot staking. So you, long hash can run the collator or long hash can the validator and you can purchase the dot token, right? And you can lock your dot token on your collator or on your validator. This is the good things for the community. But um, yeah, that's uh, staking is like, uh, it will be delivered soon, but uh, this is minimum variable product at this moment. So we need to adjust some parameters step by step in coming months. For sure, for sure. I think that's that's one of the good things about uh, uh, the substrate-based chains is that uh, it can be upgradable exactly. even at the layer one level, right? The protocol yeah, level. without fork. Yes, without fork. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So we're and one thing I would like, yeah, sorry for that. Uh, one thing I would like to add about DAPS staking is the networking effect. A blockchain is all about networking effect, I believe. So let's say the variation of Asta token is 1 billion US dollar and 10% will be issued per year. So in this case, 100 million dollar worth Shiden token, sorry, Asta token will be issued per year, right? And 50% goes to developer and nominator. So 
50 million US dollar was ASTA token will be delivered to the community. And the more, so we can, you know, incentivize people to make dApps or infrastructure on the top of ASTA. And the more dApps or more infrastructure are created, the more option token holder has to lock their token on dApps or infrastructure. In this sense, the more dApps we have, the more token will be locked on the network. And the more token locked on the network, the less the liquidity is. And if the, the, the liquidity is getting smaller and smaller, there is a positive effect on the variation. So variation, let's say variation became 2 billion from 1 billion. In this case, we can distribute two times more worth token. Use that out. Sorry, uh, two, the number is the same, but the value is the two times. So we can distribute two, two, 200 million dollar worth ASTA token to the community. And there is another feedback effect. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is our beauty of uh, token economics. And that's why people deploy smart contract or people deploy infrastructure on the top of ASTA and Shidem. Uh, blockchain is all about incentive. So we should not underestimate the value of the dApps is taking. Mm, mm. Yeah, in fact, I think this is one of the first few times this has been tried, right? Where it's like very directly I stake and then I, I earn rewards for usage, incentivizing uh, just that nomination. Um, this is actually quite different from what the liquidity mining projects are doing because that you're incentivizing usage, right? Like if, if I use the network, then I can... Uh, get some of the tokens as reward. Here, it's not linked to the usage at all. Uh, it's just if I get the nomination, then I get the tokens, right? So I can have be very low usage, but a lot of staking, and therefore I get the rewards. Do you think this is an area that will be changed as well? Will it somehow be linked to you know volume or how many users, some or like the value created uh, on Shiden, or will it just be the nomination from here on? Yeah, uh, I believe we can create a lot of the value, and this is very attractive for new developer who are considering joining our ecosystem. But uh, let's see, uh, we can see the result in months. Yeah, well, I, I think one good thing about this mechanism is that because it's not tied to the usage, uh, therefore yep. it can encourage the new projects, like you said, the new developers to get the nomination and still get the benefits, right? If it's uh, related to the usage, then only the big projects will get the rewards uh, and only the established projects will get the nomination and will get the rewards and the big projects will get bigger. <laughs> but this will then yeah. allow the smaller projects to, to maybe come up. Uh, because for the people who are nominating, it doesn't matter if I nominate a big project or a small project, my reward is the same. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, but based on the nomination, the reward will be distributed. So bigger project can you know, attract more token than smaller project. But uh, that's why we founded Asta and Shiden Ecosystem Fund 1. And we are going to uh, establish Fund 2 once Asta is live. And we can use our token to nominate on dApps. So we can support small project to get more market share and receive block rewards. 
because small project matters in our case. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's tied to the nomination, right? The, the more the nomination uh, and therefore the more the reward. So it yeah. is possible that a smaller project can get uh, more nomination exactly. because they need it uh, versus yeah. a big project because just because they are popular or there's a high volume. Yep. Yeah. And also the interesting things is the, the, the people who deploy smart contract does not need to be a developer. It can be a, like a venture capital. Stronghash can deploy smart contract on the top of Asta, and you can get basic income from block rewards. Mm. Yeah, so community decide who the community decide the how to distribute that basic income. Yeah. So, what what are some of the the uh, yeah? Actually, I want to go to the possibilities there. Uh, but first, I just want to ask a very quick question around the, the, the economics, right? Uh, you mentioned it's like a basic income, right? Uh, that is the idea. For for it to be basic income, uh, then they they would need to sell the tokens to into cash for their to survive, right? Like I said, for early projects, they need to survive. So in essence, do you expect these developers to then basically keep keep on selling as as they keep getting the inflation? Uh, whereas the other people who are who are staking then contribute to the lower liquidity, but there are some people who are constantly selling. Uh, do you do you think there needs to be a balance here? How do we kind of like incentivize you know some some tokenomics that has uh, burning or reducing supply, and not just staking? Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah, forty uh, percent of the block rewards goes to treasury, and treasury is going to you know on chain governance is going to decide how to use that treasury token. So based on the data, on-chain data, I think we can ban the treasury token or we can ban transaction fee. So there are a lot of the things we can take, a lot of strategy we can take in the future. So yeah, uh, we have a flexibility and we have a, a lot of the things we have to decide through on-chain governance. But uh, at this moment, delivering the staking is the most important things. And let's see the on-chain data. And after that, we make a decision based on the data. Absolutely. We have to yeah. adapt according to the market and, and the people yeah. who use it. Uh, one very, what you mentioned is very interesting that like anybody can deploy a contract, even Longhash, even though we are we may not be doing a very technical project, uh, but if we have yeah. the support of the community, we can deploy a very simple contract. In fact, maybe it's an NFT contract uh, that uh, gives out NFTs, right? And then uh, we can receive the nomination there. Is, is there any kind of uh, indication or focus area of what kind of projects you foresee to, to come on to Shiden and Estar? Will we see a lot of uh, very simple, basic uh, social tokens or NFTs? Or will we see more complicated DeFi projects? Uh, or are you just open to everything? You know, are, are you trying to shape it anyway? Yeah. Um, for me, uh, we would like to attract a lot of DeFi projects especially like stablecoin, DEX, or lending service, or synthetic asset, and so on. But uh, NFT use cases are also attractive for me. Maybe it's because I'm in Japanese, and I, I, I know a lot of the great IP in Japan. I, I know a lot of the people who like to use our ecosystem and blockchain in general to deploy NFT. Uh, so I would like to see some great, you know, big IP on Asta. <laughs> yes, I think we're yeah, all really looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, partner opinion. 
<laughs> yeah, there's so much uh, of the of the culture, right? Like, of course, all the anime that's like very popular among the geeks in 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 crypto. <laughs> Maybe if we see a lot of that being tokenized, that's going to be <laughs> amazing. There's really yeah, a huge exactly. fan base in uh, globally, right? In China, exactly. Southeast Asia, everywhere. So yeah, very exciting. Uh, one area of overlap that I think is not really discussed, but I see it in the documentation, is the operator trading. Because uh, what I noticed is that actually after you deploy the contract, you can still transfer the ownership of the contract. And I assume this also means that the nomination will also be transferred to the along with the contract, right? So in a way, if I have a basic income cash flow, I can transfer this cash flow to somebody else. Uh, how do you think this will interplay interact with the debt staking yeah uh we have a uh, operator trading because we have a uh, debt staking it's in a blockchain ecosystem everything is open source in general so you can easily fork uniswap and make another you know, uniswap right it's just a fork so you can copy and paste contract but uh in case of asta there is dubs staking. And if Uniswap attract a lot of token from Broccoli Wars, maybe someone would like to purchase that contract to get dubs staking, basic income. So the the developer can transfer the ownership of the smart contract from A to B or B to C based on the dubs staking. Mm-hmm. The the amount they can get through dubs staking so this is the i think the only feature asta supports in the polygon ecosystem yeah so it's kind of like you can sell your business it's a kind of like an yeah. m a in a way yeah it's, it's like a decentralized m a system yeah so that's really cool you, we may start to see if i have a big project i want to acquire the smaller projects then you can actually uh, get the ownership of their Debts as well. Uh, yep. Right now, it's kind of like a all or nothing. It's just if I own all, I or or I do not own it, right? Like, do you think this will also evolve? Because in the M and A world, like uh, I might not take hundred percent. Maybe I take fifty one percent or sixty eighty percent, or maybe a small share, like ten percent of it. Is is that going to be people as well? Will we see like the financial hub of the debts trading and staking on Estar and Shiden? Uh, that's important, you know, opinion. And I have never, you know, think about it. So, yeah, uh, this is going to be a uh, Asta improvement proposal number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think this raises a question of ownership, right? What does it mean to own the debt? Uh, and, you know, is it the token holders? Because if the token holders... Uh, have the governance power and you know you I already give away I burn my somehow my keys and then oh I transfer it to a governance module uh, then the governance module owns it uh, but the community can decide to give some of it or or have a buyout from M&A right there can be uh, there can be very many interesting uh, applications based on this core feature on, on Shiden um, yeah the but uh, we are making like a platform. So the most important thing is the option. The more option we can provide, the the more attractive network is. So not one hundred percent people are making a you know DAO, and not one hundred percent people 
would like to make a decentralized network or decentralized project. Mm. So we need uh, options for people who would like to make centralized application on the top of our blockchain and who would like to make 100% decentralized product on the top of our blockchain. So we prepare a lot of the option to make better platform. Mm. Awesome, right? It's all about the flexibility and options yeah. so that we can attract not only the very kind of like crypto projects that, you know, are going to become DAO, but also any potential web two projects that want to use the Web3 infrastructure to become more transparent and then maybe start to decentralize a little bit. Uh, at least they are, they are transparent, immutable. Uh, yeah, exactly. Everything does not need to be decentralized. And we need a centralized service, like a government service and so on. We need trusted, you know, third party in a real life. But some part needed to be decentralized. And this is where blockchain comes in. But we would like to provide our service to people who would like to make centralized service. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's a very good note to, to kind of close on this chapter of the DAP staking. I'd like to move on to the, the other differentiator for Shiden, which is then the multi-chain and the cross-virtual machine. Uh, we were talking about bringing in, you know, more traditional uh, Web2 or even centralized businesses. And I think this is part of the vision uh, why you decide to also have the Wasm VM and not just the EVM, right? So would you like to then talk us through then, you know, what is the difference between you know having supporting Wasm, uh, supporting EVM, and what does it mean for the developers for who are Web two developers or Web three developers, or what is the experience like for them? Yeah, um, so Ethereum virtual machine was developed by Ethereum founders, and Ethereum virtual machine is for Ethereum, right? And a lot of the layer one blockchain support Ethereum virtual machine, but uh, EVM is originally for Ethereum. But there, the WebAssembly is developed by big companies such as Mozilla and Google, Microsoft, and so on. And the community is not just a uh, blockchain. They are also interested in uh, a lot of existing service and how to improve web itself. So I believe WebAssembly in the long run, but Ethereum virtual machine is really important. But uh, crypto community is getting bigger and bigger, and the blockchain community is also getting bigger and bigger. So to include the, the existing people outside of the blockchain, we need better uh, virtual machine to run smart contract. So... In case of WebAssembly, which is faster, and also uh, WebAssembly is compatible with existing web, such as Google, Mozilla, and so on. So people can directly use smart contract by using the existing web ex uh, without extension. So this is going to be the future. And also um, a lot of smart contract can be deployed. Sorry, a lot of languages can be deployed on WebAssembly-based virtual machine, like Rust, Go, or even Kotlin, and so on. So in case of Ethereum virtual machine, everything is written in Solidity, or maybe Piper. It's very limited. Um, in case of WebAssembly, uh, last contract, let's say last contract or Go contract can be deployed. And there are a lot of last developer 
in, in case of Rust, it's not. It's not a lot. <laughs> but in case of, let's say, Go or Python, there are a lot outside of the blockchain ecosystem, right? And they can use the WebAssembly and WebAssembly based smart contract platform in the future. I, this is why we are focusing on WebAssembly as well as Ethereum virtual machine. Mm. So, would you like to talk us through then what the cross virtual machine means, right? That you know you can have yeah. the Ethereum address uh, uh, interact with the Wasm contract and then vice yep. versa. How does that work? So having two virtual machines in uh, one platform is very tough. So we have a Ethereum virtual machine environment and we have a WebAssembly environment. And this environment are independent and different. So we need a interrupter. I mean, we need interaction between EVM and WebAssembly. And at this moment, uh, you can deploy contract on WebAssembly. And you can call the function of this contract from uh, EVM environment and vice versa. So let's say you deploy very simple stablecoin contract on WebAssembly, and you can call and you can use one of the function you deployed on the WebAssembly from Ethereum virtual machine environment. Hmm. And I hope we can make it vice versa. But at, at this moment, you can call uh, WebAssembly contract from Ethereum virtual machine environment. Hmm. So is this kind of like universal? Is there any exceptions or limitations? So basically, as long as you anybody, any contract that's written in Wasm or WebAssembly, you can use a Ethereum address to call it. There's no exceptions, no limitations at all? Uh, we have a lot of exceptions and limitations. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, in case of uh, WebAssembly, Inc. contract, Inc. Inc. is developed by Parity Technologies, and this is a smart contract language. Inc. can be, only Inc. can be deployed on WebAssembly ah. at this moment. And yeah, this is the limitation. And another limitation is you can only call WebAssembly contract from Ethereum virtual machine. So you cannot call Ethereum virtual machine contract from WebAssembly environment right now. Mm. But uh, I hope we can solve this problem. Indeed. Well, of course, it's already very impressive that this is uh, live today, right? I think you showed the demo yeah. that you can already call the contracts. Uh, of course, from the developer side, we still need to have the ink. Uh, hopefully, we'll yeah. op open up to um, many more kind of uh, possibilities for the developers. All right. Now, we move to the final, the third part of the Chidens and uh, A-Stars differentiator that you mentioned, which is the idea and the vision of a multi-chain hub. Uh, that's quite different from, you know, just compatibility or just about Kusama and Pokora, we're talking about all the potential chains, right? And uh, to me, I think this very much into the Pokora and Kusama's vision, which is the anti-chain maximalism. Uh, but actually, before we go there, uh, it seems to me that even for Kusama and Pokora, even though it's anti-chain maximalism, but the, there is still uh, some level of exclusion because it only applies to substrate-based blockchains, exactly. right? Uh, and also, this model is quite similar to the Ethereum and the sharding and the layer 2 shards that will come on. It almost looks like 
uh, Ethereum layer one will become similar to the relay chain, something like that, and the shards will become like the parachains. So, how do you what do you think about this analogy and this um, anti-chain maximalism? Is there actually competition? Uh, and then you know, does she then change the the model? Yeah, um, as you mentioned, uh, Polkadot connect blockchains, but technically speaking, Polkadot connect blockchain only be built on substrate. So Polkadot connect substrate-based blockchain, and the other layer one blockchain such as Ethereum, Solana, or you know Avalanche, are not based on substrate. So we need adapter to connect the networks. And this is where Asta Networks comes in. And that's why we support both Ethereum virtual machine and WebAssembly. Some layer one blockchain are not using Ethereum virtual machine. So we need WebAssembly to connect other network. And yeah, this is the vision. And the we have already connected our blockchain testnet to Ethereum and also Cosmos. And some of our community members are working on Binance Smart Chain or even Definity Blockchain. Definity is not blockchain. Definity and Solana Blockchain and so on. That's very interesting Sorry, uh, to hear about the, the bridges and, and coming through. It's almost like uh, through the A-Star multi-chain hub, then all the other blockchains can become like shards on the Kusama blockchain or on the uh, Polkadot blockchain, right? Because now you can then connect to then Solana, Cosmos, uh, Binance Smart Chain, Avalanche, uh, and even Definity. Was there any kind of a process to or prioritization for you to decide to integrate with these different chains, right? So, for example, why is the Cosmos Secret Network the first one? You know, uh, was it? Did you decide for it to be a priority? And why are some of it left out? So I think noticeably, you know, the other layer twos are not in the roadmap or the polygon is also not on the roadmap. I just wonder how was this decision made? Yeah, um, so the priority is dependent on the technical integration, the easiness of the technical integration and also the, the, the community, you know, the, the size of the community. So Ethereum is definitely the first priority. And if we can make Ethereum bridge, I think we can make, um, let's say, Avalanche bridge and Binance Smart Chain bridge because both platforms use Ethereum virtual machine. And in case of Cosmos virtual machine, uh, our developer was working on Cosmos. So he knows both Cosmos and Polkadot. So it is easier for us to make a bridge between Cosmos and Polkadot. So priority is dependent on the technical limitation, I mean, easiness, and also uh, the size of the community. Mm -hmm. So would you say it is uh, technically more difficult to connect with the other existing rollups, for example, Optimism or Arbitrum mm -hmm. or the ZK Sync uh, or, or even Polygon? How would you rate the difficulty for these different chains or rollups? Yeah, connecting layer one blockchain is much easier for us rather than connecting layer two blockchains. Because the layer two is designed to connect the layer two blockchain to Ethereum. It's not layer one. So we need a lot of we need a lot of adapters to connect Ethereum layer two to Polkadot layer one. Hmm. 
I see. Technically, it is not easy. Right. Then what about, say, Polygon? Uh, in terms of Polygon, I think Polygon is sidechain rather than layer 2. So it is easy, easier than optimistic rollup or ZK rollup. I see. So then it depends on the community uh, capabilities to then integrate. Yeah. 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 Great, great. And uh, of course, I noticed on the roadmap as well, the integrations uh, are not kind of like, uh, they're actually quite soon, right? We planned for even September or within this yep. year to, to connect with all of these. Yep. Yeah. And in terms of the timeline, DAPS staking will be delivered in September and also uh, Ethereum Bridge MVP will be delivered in September. Yeah, so all of these are happening really quickly. Uh, yeah. In fact, one critical component, like you mentioned, is the bridge, right? The, the Ethereum yeah. bridge or the EVM bridge. And of course, it, those in the ecosystem know that there are some bridges already being built. Uh, of course, yeah. there's the Snow Fork and then for the Ethereum, and then there's Interlay for, for even the BTC Bitcoin bridge. Yeah. So, uh, but then for Shiden and Star, you decided to work with Chainsafe to, to build the bridge. Uh, is yep. there any particular reason you need to build your own rather than rely on the composer composability between the projects, right? What are some advantages or, or uh, disadvantages of doing it this way? Yeah, this is very simple and there is just one reason. So we wanted to control our timeline by ourselves. So let's say if we work with Snowfork, if we work with Interray directly, uh, we are we are working with this this project indirectly. If we work with this you know project directly, um, we have to wait for them to secure some parachain, right? And it's not predictable. So that's why we we chose to work with the Chainsafe to make a Chainsafe bridge to Ethereum and other Ethereum-compatible blockchains. Mm. We control our timeline by ourselves. That makes sense. Uh, and when we talk about a bridge, uh, I understand there are actually many types of bridges, you know, like for assets, for smart contract calling, there may be one way yep. or two ways to bridging. Yep. So what kind of bridge are we building uh, and what level of uh, progress can we expect by September or this year? Yeah. Um... So our bridge is trusted at this moment. So we need a relayer to who, who can transfer token from blockchain A to blockchain B. So relayer can be centralized, but uh, trustless is better than trusted you know, bridge in the long run. So we would like to make it decentralized and decentralized step by step, but this is going to be MVP, minimum valuable product. So this is going to be a trusted bridge. And in terms of the timeline, we are going to deploy first MVP of Ethereum bridge by the end of September. You can transfer ERC-20 token and you can transfer ERC-721 token from Ethereum to Asta, sorry, Shiden, Shiden to Ethereum. Hmm. I see. So the bridge, uh, well, in the beginning will be centralized with some relayers and it will mm -hmm. be used to transfer the assets between yes. the different chains. So yes. for the projects they want to deploy or, or use the multi-chain hub, then they will need to redeploy the contract uh, on Shiden itself. In case of Ethereum compatible blockchain, so we can use chain safe bridge, like Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain and so on. But we need our own bridge to make a uh, you know non Ethereum compatible bridge, 
like Solana or Divinity and so on. And this is still a research phase, but our community member and our core developer started working on that. Okay, certainly very exciting. I think we'll be following the developments uh, of yeah. the bridges. I think certainly the cross-chain future or the multi-chain future is something yeah. everybody is uh, looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The multi-chain is the future, and we can we can make innovative use cases such as uh, multi-token collateralized synthetics asset or stablecoin. Stablecoin can be collateralized by not only ETH. ELC20 token and BTC or maybe ICP token or something like that so that um, we can make a new idea and new concept in a blockchain. So connecting a blockchain is the things we would like to do in our coming months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I understand this is probably an area that's a priority and, and of course excitement as well. I think we're moving to the last part and trying to wrap up the, the podcast now. So we always like to, you know, just understand from your perspective, what is exciting to you in the Web3 or crypto space today, aside from, of course, everything that's happening in Shiden and Star. What are you paying attention to, excited about? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to connect blockchains. So there, you know, there is only Bitcoin network or Ethereum network or other layer one network which which are independent but in 2021 and 2022 the blockchain will be connected and people can interact each other from blockchain one to blockchain two and vice versa so this is similar to internet of today so internet was independent and it it takes long time and it takes high cost to transport message from Singapore to Japan, Japan to US. But now we can communicate each other for free. And blockchain is going to have the same history, I think. So connecting blockchain is the first step to utilize blockchain in, uh, in, in the world and to, to realize Web 3.0. And Web 3.0 is all about verifiability. So people can connect directly connect their client to smart contract so that we can understand what we are paying, what we are receiving, and what we are losing and gaining. But data and the you know, ownership is controlled by centralized company right now. So we have to trust the authorities. But by connecting blockchain, a lot of activities not only in the blockchain system, outside of the blockchain activity, you know, community, um, a lot of the, the new use cases can be born in the multi-chain environment. So this is the things I'm really excited in coming months, coming years, and multi-chain is going to be the base layer to realize Web 3.0. Is, is this something that uh, is a prediction or do you already see some applications today that are then bringing in new users or new innovation because it's a multi-chain? Yeah, um, at this moment, um, you know, like in, this is blockchain ecosystem. So DeFi comes first and NFT comes second. And then I don't know, but uh, DeFi comes first. So we have a 
a lot of DeFi product in our ecosystem. And some product are, some projects are working on uh, multi-collateralized, multi-token collateralized synthetic asset or stablecoin or multi-chain DEX. So we can swap not only ERC-20 token, but also, uh, let's say, Bitcoin or ICP token or Asta token Shiden mm. on, on the single DEX. Mm. So I think this is going to be a game changer. Yeah, I think absolutely. Game changer is the word here for like uh, all this uh, true like interoperability yeah. and composability yeah. between the ecosystems. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Well, I just like to end off with a, a last question because I see you know you have been a big proponent of uh, of the more kind of like developer and a building kind of like culture in in crypto and in fact you have often spoken out against the money game speculation of the crypto components so i just like to hear your uh, kind of vision of how you like to shape the culture of the people in the web3 ecosystem and what kind of like advice would you share with the people who are listening yeah uh in a blockchain and crypto world uh, there is you know few few rules or few restrictions so it is very easy to create another wall street or it is very easy to create another money game right but um it is very tough to choose not to do that intentionally but you know the culture makes the great product so in our case we can do the money game and we can create a Wall Street, another Wall Street, but we intentionally do not do that. And this makes the culture and the culture makes great product. So the most important things is not thinking about the short term benefit rather than, you know, thinking about long term benefit or long term vision. And yeah, uh, I recommend people and entrepreneurs thinking about long-term vision and how can blockchain shape the world and make the world a better place rather than the money game in the next three months or four months. This is tough. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, it's needed, especially in the crypto space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, I mean, there's nothing wrong with making money, uh, but yeah, if it's... But if it's only about the money game, I think then then is uh, a problem, right? That we we don't want to go back to the hyper speculative kind of like ICO days, and then too much scams and speculators coming. We want the the making money to be balanced with the creating value, and that's how we can make this a sustainable ecosystem. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think on that note, we should wrap it up. Thank you so much again, Sota, for joining us today. It's been a super insightful conversation and learning about the whole ecosystem and also Shiden and Astar. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Kai. All right, for everyone, see you next time. Bye-bye.